It is Unleashed with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Barry, a sports talk for Thursday, December 15th, 2022. The 49ers go to Seattle and can win the division, but their record up there is atrocious. Is Brock Purdy going to play a full preview? 49ers, Seahawks for the division starts now. Let's go. What's happening? It's game day on a Thursday, which I absolutely love, and I'll get into in the podcast today. If you're listening on the podcast, remember you can subscribe to anywhere you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, if you're listening or watching, I should say, on the YouTube channel. Thank you very much. If you want to watch on the YouTube channel and you're on the podcast going, I didn't even know you had a YouTube channel. All you have to do is search Unleashed, various sports talk, John Lund, and you will find it. And then you'll be able to see all the cool graphics and all the stuff we put up and subscribe to that channel as well. Unleashed, various sports talk with me, John Lund, KMBR Radio in San Francisco, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. And uh, you will get bonus me, a lot of bonus me today because uh, we've got the show from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and we've been talking a ton of Carlos Correa, but obviously uh, we're going to talk a ton of 49ers today and then Straight into the pregame show with Adam Copeland and Super Bowl champion Dennis Brown at 2 o'clock on KNBR. And then uh, Papa and Tim will have uh, the call itself from Seattle and Lumenfield. And then I'll be in postgame till probably 10, 11 o'clock on Thursday as well. So about 12 hours of me, 12 hours of me on KNBR and uh, KNBR 680. If you want to interact with the show, we'd love it. At John Lund Radio, you can hit us up there on Twitter or Instagram as well, and if you're watching on the YouTube channel, just simply put them in the comments. I'll you I'll uh, reply to the best comments. I'll put the best comments on the uh, on the shows as well, and uh, we'll talk all about it. So uh, lots of ways to interact. Love interaction. You don't have to disagree or you don't have to agree with uh, what I say. I love to get different angles, and uh, that's the kind of things I like to do. So lots of things to get into today. If you are new to the podcast or the YouTube channel, welcome. Thank you very much for watching, and please subscribe. Uh, what we do is we go with a big story, and today the big story is going to be all about the 49ers and the Seahawks, how the 49ers can clinch the division, what's going on with Brock Purdy's health and health in general. Uh, we'll look at the flip card and see what the uh, good matchups are for the 49ers and the things to look out for for the 49ers and the Seahawks, and we will surmise everything. So let's get it going in today's big lead. Seahawks, 49ers, Lumen Field in Seattle, which has been a house of horrors, but today, tonight, it's for the division. There we go. Better. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I think, you know, Kyle did such a good job of just getting everyone's attention after the game. Like, man, we can celebrate this next week, you know, after we get through this Thursday night game. Um, it's a quick turnaround. You know, our bodies have to recover as soon as possible, and then we've got to be able to literally play another game in four days. So um, I feel like it started with him and his leadership. Getting, every, getting everyone's attention has been great. Um, but for myself, yeah, that's that's the thing. I don't want to get caught up in all this noise and, and stuff, and, and then all of a sudden we play Thursday night and I'm not prepared like I need to be. So um, it's definitely been a challenge in terms of getting the body right and then moving on and now we already have install meetings and everything and getting ready for Thursday but at the same time Seattle has to do the same thing so uh, that is Brock Purdy 
Uh, lots of different nicknames for uh, Brock. And it's funny, first and foremost, before we get to uh, what Brock Purdy just said and what it leads to and what kind of conversations we're going to have as we get to ready for the 49ers and the Seahawks from Lumen Field for the division for the 49ers, if they can win it. Brock Purdy looks like he's about 12. Uh, you'd card him for candy cigarettes, and yet he sounds the way that you just heard and understands and is mature. And all week long on our show on KMBR, we've had different people uh, of different stages of his development. And one guy that we had on, and go to KMBR.com, and you can search the archives for this podcast, uh, earlier this week was Adam Snyder. And Adam Snyder, if you remember, was an offensive guard, and offensive lineman for the uh, – for the 49ers, his, his first year, I think, was 05. His last year was 11, and then he came back in 13 after a year in Arizona. But he lives down in Arizona, and he helped coach Brock Purdy in high school, and he called Joe Stalen. We have Joe Staley every week on our KMBR show. And Adam Snyder called Joe Stalen and says, you're going to love this guy, Brock Purdy, and went on and on and on, and what a leader he was and why he was confused why he didn't get more looks in college. And it's because he looks like he's 12, and you know, physically he is not exactly a Colin Kaepernick. He's skinny, he's smaller. But he gets it done, and you can hear there that he's got a lot of uh, maturity. He's got a lot of confidence in himself. And now the big question is, is he going to play with an oblique and a rib injury uh, in Seattle? So let's flash up if you're looking at the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, there are your injuries for this week against Seattle. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, we know. Uh, Kevin Givens, knee injury, and he's going to be out for a number of weeks. And that's huge because Kevin Givens has been going – been playing great football for the 49ers. So let's let's start there. Kevin Givens, that's a big loss. And I'm going to talk about Javon Kinlaw in just a second. We'll stick a pin in that. But Kevin Givens, now that Armstead's back, they're going to have to bring a lot of guys, but they are thin inside. Uh, go down to Hassan Ridgeway. He's out for a while with that peck. Debo, we know the story on that ankle knee. Good news on Debo, though. You don't want to lose him, especially for these upcoming games against the Seahawks. And then next week against Washington, and after that playing on Vegas on New Year's Day, but Debo could be back for that final game in a tune-up for the playoffs, and that is absolutely huge news. And I know you know this. With the way that the offense has evolved with Christian McCaffrey and Ayuk has stepped up, and Juwan Jennings has been become better and better, but the key guy to me that they've lost, now that they've lost Debo for a little bit of time, J.P. Mason over the last couple of weeks, and he reminds me, his not his story, and it's not exact, but stay with me while I say this. Don't go, what are you talking about, right, when I say the name? But J.P. Mason reminds me of Brock Purdy in that in camp and in preseason, a lot of people were impressed. And he just never got a shot, never got a shot, never got a shot. But if you watch him, and I watched him a ton at Georgia Tech after they, they didn't draft him, but they got him, and I saw him in camp, and he looked really good. I'm like, who is this guy? And I went back and looked at his tape at Georgia Tech, and I could tell why the 49ers liked him because he was a north-south runner. He was a one-cut north-south runner, which that's what you want in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and he runs over guys. He doesn't try to juke guys, and he's not trying to get wide. Ty Davis-Price, third-round pick, is always trying to get wide. He just hasn't figured it out yet. And J.P. Mason is the better back, and for two consecutive years, the year before, obviously, it was Trey Sermon, and then Elijah Mitchell was better. Now, Mitchell was a sixth-rounder, Sermon a third, but uh, Ty Davis-Price, LSU, is a third and Jordan Mason, and it's just because he knows the system, and he is a one-cut and up-the-field runner, and then he ends runs physically. So the reason why I'm saying and giving a Debo comp is nobody's going to replace Debo. The things that he can do, the threat he's going to be, the receiver that he is, nothing like that. But in terms of the physicality that he would bring to the table, and after a while the other team was like, no Moss, man, and the 49ers then could have their way with the team into the third and fourth quarter because they had just had it. That's what J.P. 
Mason can bring to the table to replace Debo. That's a part of it. It's going to take numerous guys to do it. Christian McCaffrey can do some of the things. Brandon Ayuk can do some of the things. Juwan Jennings can do some of the things. But in terms of the physicality that he brought to the table, I think J.P. Mason is one of the guys that can do that. Sam Womack, while we saw him in the preseason and talked all about it, well, he's, he's going to be the starting nickel. He's become a valuable member on the special teams unit, so he's uh, likely not going to play, did not practice. Eric Armstead, he's going to be on there all year. Kerry uh, Hyder is going to be a really key player. Uh, ankle there, and it says LP, limited practice. Kerry Hyder will play. Now he played in Seattle for a year. Two years ago, he was really, really valuable for the 49ers, and they need him to step up. He's going to play on the inside, and he's going to be part of the depth rotation against Seattle inside, and he's going to become a a major part of it. And then let's skip down to Brock Purdy, and that's what you want to know. And again, if you're on the YouTube channel, you can see these names. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you very much. And uh, it makes sense to you anyway. You know these players. Uh, Brock Purdy, Oblique, and Rib. And we were down at... Uh, 49ers headquarters on Wednesday, Papa and I, and we had Tim Ryan for about 20 minutes. We normally do the football hour on Thursday for Sunday games, and we do a complete hour. But Tim was very optimistic that Brock Purdy was going to play, and at this point, he can't injure the oblique anymore, and it's just a pain tolerance thing. And anybody who's had a rib injury, I'm sure you have. I had one skiing one time. I have a couple of different uh, rib injuries. I had a cracked rib, and you know this. Hurts to sneeze, hurts to laugh, hurts to cough, hurts to breathe sometimes. And he's going to play football with it, and he's going to wear a jacket probably, and he's probably going to have the thing shot up. So hopefully what the 49ers can do is you look at that uh, injury list, and it's not great, but there it is. But hopefully what the 49ers can do is run the football because you probably know this by now. Seattle, in their last four games, they've been atrocious against the run. And I don't know exactly why because – Early in the season, they were atrocious. They actually held then. They got better, and they held Saquon Barkley and the Giants to about 76 yards on the ground. They were really good, and then they just forgot to how to defend the run. And let me jump. Let me throw the depth chart up here for both teams, and let's get into a conversation about it as we take you a look through Thursday night's game between the Seahawks and the 49ers. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, I just uh, put up the official flip card uh, from Seattle. That is the official flip card, offense, defense, for both teams, and if you look at Seattle's defense, uh, it's typical of what they've had over the last few years uh, inside, and mainly the guy, Al Woods, and I don't see Al on – oh, yeah, I see Al on the flip card. 99 in the middle there, the nose tackle, Al Woods on that whole thing, and, and Al is a guy that is – you know, he's supposed to be tough against the run but hasn't. Uh, Shelby Harris was sick a couple of weeks ago. Puna Ford is about 5'11 and 3'15, so he's, he's a uh, – a fire hydrant in there, and he's tough to move out of there. And they don't have a ton of depth, but they shouldn't be this bad against the run. Uh, Jordan Brooks is one of the leading tacklers in the league, but there's a difference between what Jordan Brooks does, number 56, and what Cody Barton, number 57, does, who's played a few years. Uh, He's out of Utah. He makes a lot of tackles about five yards down the field. And then they obviously miss Jamal Adams, who got hurt early in the season. Quandre Diggs is not having the season that he normally has. Ryan Neal is banged up their other safety. So over their last four games, they're giving up over 200 yards per game on the ground, about 215, 210, 215 to be exact. And Josh Jacobs had a career day against Seattle, Carolina, even though Seattle knew they were running on a final drive. They gashed him anyway, but they knew they were running on the final drive. Seattle couldn't do anything to stop it. So that's an issue for them. So maybe they don't need Brock Purdy a whole lot, uh, to be able to beat Seattle, but that's that's what they've got going right now. As far as the Seahawks are concerned, they cannot stop the run, and that's that's the biggest thing. 
Um, I'm going to flash the record up against Seattle before we get too cocky here in a minute, but since we have the flash card, let's just look at everything. Offensively, as far as the uh, 49ers are concerned, you look at some of those injuries. Debo, of course, is marked in there. He's not going to play. Jimmy is marked in there. Brock Purdy's going to play. If Purdy somehow can't get things done, Josh Johnson, he's been around a long time. He hasn't been around a long time in the building. Uh, My confidence level is not really high on him. Offensively, even with the players that they're missing, Christian McCaffrey, not only, and we've talked about this a lot of times, not only how many touches he'll get, which will probably be a combination to about 25, especially without Debo in there. Um, He just takes a lot of guys with him. George Kittle has been revitalized since he's been on this team, and we've talked many times, and I didn't check it today, but Brandon Ayuk, if you believe in the analytics, has been in the top 10 as far as wide receivers are concerned in pro football focuses wide receiver rankings for the entire year. And I think he's going to be a guy that's going to get a ton of work. Juwan Jennings will still, I mean, he'll start, but he'll be more of that third down guy. And he has really come on. But Brandon Ayuk, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Brandon Ayuk. The corners for Seattle, and this is where something with Seattle is kind of interesting because they have a lot of young players who are highly regarded, but they're hitting a little bit of a wall and talking to Dave Wyman, the former Stanford quarter or Stanford linebacker, who's the analyst on Seahawks games, and he was talking to us the other day on our show on KMBR, saying that maybe these rookies are hitting a little bit of a wall. So Tariq Wollen, who's the big 6'4", super fast kid uh, at one of the corners, he's at the right corner, he's number 27. He's been a revelation for them. I think he was, what, a fifth-round pick uh, out of, uh, I think, Texas, San Antonio, right? Uh, same place that uh, Burford came from, UT San Antonio. And uh, Tariq Wollen is a really nice player. On one corner, then Michael Jackson, hee hee, number thirty, at the other, and he's getting kind of pushed by Trey Brown, who had a knee injury. He's a kid out of Oklahoma that they liked a lot, but he's had a uh, knee injury. Then they have Kobe Bryant, not that Kobe Bryant, uh, Kobe Bryant, kid out of Oklahoma State, is their slot corner, and he's made some plays. He knocks a lot of fumbles out. He's made some plays, but he'll give up some plays as well. So they probably will put McCaffrey in the slot and see what he can do against that rookies. But the, those are the DBs that they're going to be facing. From a pass rush standpoint, they're not getting a ton. Bruce Irvin is back. Yep, that's the same Bruce Irvin. Daryl Taylor, they had a guy of a guy named Boy Maffey who's out of uh, Minnesota. He's a, a rookie. And then Nowusu, who came over from the Chargers early in the season, he was really, really good. But they don't have a ton of pass rush. So defensively, the Seahawks are challenged. And with all the weapons, and even without Debo Samuel, running the football will be the name of the game. As far as the Seahawks are concerned, flipping it over to the other side is, again, we continue to look at the depth chart if you're on the YouTube channel and uh, looking at the Seahawks and the 49ers here on Unleashed Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund, from KBR Radio in San Francisco. Geno Smith, they shut him down in week number two. He threw two interceptions. And maybe outside of the, of the 49ers game in week two, probably his worst game last time out against Carolina. But regardless, you start looking at Lockett and DK, and they're as good as ever. And then the tight ends, Noah Fant, who came over in that trade for Russell Wilson, one of the many players and picks. He's nice. Will Disley has had some injuries, but he's good. And then Colby Parkinson, you remember him from Stanford. So they've got a, a few good tight ends. So even though, and by the way, Kenneth Walker the third, who if he would have stayed healthy, could have challenged for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's a rookie out of Michigan State who won the Doak Walker Award. He's really, really good. And last week without him, a veteran, uh, Travis Homer, and a guy named Tony Jones Jr. tried to carry the load running-wise against Carolina. They couldn't get it done. So Kenneth Walker III's a massive piece for Seattle because if they can run it and then they're doing play action and Geno's not getting as much pressure in the pocket and he's able to throw to DK and Tyler Lockett, then this offense becomes a really good offense. But the last time we saw them in Week 2, 
the 49ers handled it. As I talked to you before about in the injury report, Kevin Givens is not going to play in this game, and they're going to be short inside because if you're looking at the depth chart, Hassan Ridgeway's on that, he's out. Kevin Givens is on that, he's out. So that means inside, T.Y. McGill is going to have to play. Kerry Hyder is going to move outside to inside. Amenahu, of course, is going to go inside on passing downs, but they don't have a ton of depth on this team inside, and uh, Akeem uh, Spence may have to, to get activated on this thing. He's been up and down when he's played, mostly down. Let's be honest. So uh, it's going to be a challenge because if Kenneth Walker the third plays, and it sounds like he's going to now after missing last week, you know what Seattle's going to do. They're going to try to pound the football at you. And the 49ers have to be up to the task, and they normally are if they're a little bit healthier. Uh, let me get through this, and then I'll get you Javon Kinlaw's update in just a second. Three best linebackers in the league. Aziz Alshire, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Warner and Greenlaw are playing at an all-pro level. There is news in the secondary as well. Shavarius Ward on one side, and uh, you've got Demo uh, Lenore on the other. I'll give you some news on that in a second. Ward in the slot. Gibson at free safety and Talanoga Hufunga. Uh, as far as one thing to watch in the secondary, potential activation. If you forgot, a couple of weeks ago, they got Janoris Jenkins. And uh, the Jackrabbit looks like he is uh, up to speed on things. Do not be surprised. Maybe it's been announced. Maybe it hasn't. But Janoris Jenkins could be active for this game, especially given that they like to run Tyler Lockett in the slot at times. And uh, not saying that Jimmy Ward can't handle him. He can. But Janoris Jenkins is a nice slot player, too, and it gives you some versatility in the defensive backfield, especially because Dima Lenore has been up and down, and you might see a little bit of Janoris Jenkins, so keep that in mind. One other quick note before I take down the uh, flip chart here between the Seahawks and the 49ers as we preview the game tonight on Thursday Night Football. Uh, this thing about Javon Kinlaw and and what he's going through now, there's a report out that says that he is going to uh, practice next week, and he may indeed practice next week. But this knee thing that he's going through is is chronic, and I don't mean the kind that you smoke that's fun. Um, this is a chronic condition that, that Javon Kinlaw has, and that's good enough as far as the JEP chart is concerned. I can take that down and you can see my ugly mug again. But this thing on Javon Kinlaw, it, it's a major problem, and basically he's just he's got to build it up, and then he can play for a little bit, and then it breaks down, and then he's going to miss games, and then he's going to be able to build it up. Uh, then he's going to be able to play for a while. Then it's going to break down. And he's going to be out for a while. This is just going to be what his career is. So we have to probably adjust our expectations on what Javon Kinlaw is going to be and how long he's going to play. At least that's where we are right now. Maybe something else happens and and um, and he can get healthy by some miracle of a doctor or something like that. But right now it's a degenerative knee condition, and this is just going to be what his career is. So where he was picked is irrelevant. Should they have made the Buckner trade is irrelevant, all those different things. This is what they have. This is what who he is. Uh, and really, losing Kevin Givens, to me, is a bigger blow because Givens right now, Givens started out really well this season, kind of hit a lull, and then was really playing great football when he hurt his knee last week against Tampa Bay. Losing Givens is a big deal. Javon Kinlaw is a guy that, at least long-term, in my opinion, the 49ers aren't going to be able to rely on. So that's just a little bit of news. It has nothing to do with this game. But uh, it's just something to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, before we get too cocky about Seattle and looking at Seattle's team, and I'm guilty of this sometimes where I, I look at a team like Seattle who has not been able to stop the run, who I like their offense. I like a, a lot of the things that they're doing. They have two really good rookie offensive tackles and Charles Cross, who was a top 10 pick, really good athlete out of Mississippi State. On the left side, Abe Lucas out of Washington State. On the right side, they've 
they're a really good pair of rookie offensive tackles. Tariq Woolen on one corner, Kobe Bryant, their, their nickel guy, Kenneth Walker the third, their running back. They have really hit on this draft, which is scary for the future in taking on the Seahawks. And Geno Smith has been a revelation at quarterback. I don't know what they're going to do long-term with Geno, if they're going to draft a quarterback. But remember, they have two first-round picks this upcoming year. They have their own. And then right now, as it sits, I love Tankathon, by the way. Go to Tankathon. I don't get anything out of this. But you can see where the draft position is for every team, which is fun. And Denver is so bad in Russell Wilson that right now, the draft order is Houston number one and Seattle number two. So Seattle will have the second pick that they get from Denver, and they get their first and second this year. They had their first and second last year. And John Snyder and Pete Carroll know how to draft players that fit their system. And right now, if things stay the way they are, they would have the second pick in the draft. And I don't know if they'd go quarterback because Geno Smith has been really, really good for them, although lately hasn't been as good. So maybe they auction that pick off at number two if they keep it from Denver for somebody who is quarterback starved. And you got C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, and you got – uh, Young at uh, Alabama, Bryce Young at Alabama, and Will Levis at Kentucky, and all these quarterbacks that uh, teams are always lusting after. So somebody's going to go up there and get them. If Seattle doesn't want a quarterback at two, which they may or may not, then they could pick up extra picks. And the, the scary part for me is that I hope they don't get, and I'm looking ahead of year, uh, Caleb Williams, the kid who just won the Heisman out of USC, reminds me of Patrick Mahomes. And not just the way he looks, just the way he, th- he throws different arm angles, his athleticism. He's actually a better runner. And I ho- would hope that Seattle doesn't get extra picks so that then in 2024 they can, they can kind of maneuver around and get that guy. Because I think that guy might be the next Patrick Mahomes, and that's high praise. And you shouldn't heap that much praise on a guy who's proven nothing at the NFL level, but at the college level came with Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma to USC, and the guy absolutely tore it up. And if USC had a defense, anyway... That is neither here nor there as far as this game is concerned. Let me go to this, and this is a scary thought. And I started my thought and then got all into the young quarterback thing because Seattle has all those picks next year. But this is what scares you because we're all sitting here assuming Seattle hasn't been very good against the run and Geno's not playing as well. And this is going to be different because, yeah, we've struggled in Seattle, but this team isn't very good and the 49ers are hitting their stride. Well, this, is, this will just take you down to earth for a minute. 8-16 and 16 all-time against the Seahawks in the road, as you can see the graphic here. And then as I scroll this thing around, their last nine trips to Seattle, as you can see there, the only one they won, 12-29-2019, the 26-21 victory uh, over the Seahawks on the Dre play, as we all well know. But 1-8 and eight in their last nine in Seattle. Don't mean to depress you at all, but before we get all fat and happy and say to ourselves, well, they're going to win the division against Seattle Lumen Field. We'll crush those guys. They stink. 8-16 and 16 all time, as I just showed you on the graphic. 8-16 and 16 all time in Seattle. And 1-8 and eight in their last nine in Seattle. Now, a lot of those games they've had, they had the Legion of Boom and they had Sherman and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Russell Wilson and, and a cavalcade of really, really good players. Cliff Averill, uh, Michael Bennett, uh, Bobby Wagner. I mean, they you know they had a lot of great players, and so that contributed to a one and eight record in their last nine. But it's tough to play the Seahawks in Seattle. Now you may be saying to yourself, and I am too, uh, they just lost to Carolina at home, and they just lost to the Raiders at home in the last two weeks. Because with seven games remaining, I looked at the Seahawks and noticed the same thing that the 49ers had. The Seahawks had five of their final seven games at home. And they had road trips at the Rams and at the Chiefs. And they play the Chief, at the Chiefs next week. So I thought to myself, this thing is going to stay close because Seattle wins at home. 
the Niners will win at home, and then it's going to come down to maybe the Seahawks lose in Kansas City, but I thought certainly they're a playoff team the way they got off to. But then the last two weeks, losing to the Raiders and to the Panthers has kind of thrown their season into a monkey wrench, and now they're not even a playoff team at this point. And so, you know, your thought is they haven't played well the last two weeks at home. The 49ers are, are just going to go in there and run the football. They'll run, If those four teams, the last four opponents, have run for an average of 215, 220 a game, the Niners will run for 250. They'll take the division. This thing will be over. But we all know this about the NFC West. Easier said than done. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, the LA, the, uh, the LA Rams, the Niners, the Seahawks, they all kind of take turns beating each other, even though the Rams have been dominated over the Cardinals. The Cardinals beat them this year. The Rams have been dominated over the Seahawks. The Seahawks just beat them, although the Rams had a bunch of injuries. And then, you know, the carousel continues to turn. The, Seahawks, the uh, 49ers always beat the Rams, except in the NFC Championship game. We don't want to go down that road and tell that story. But point is, is that it's hard to win in Seattle. Both these teams know each other very, very well. Uh, Brock Purdy now, who I believe is going to play a very, very, very strong possibility that he's going to play with the oblique and rib injury. So Pete Carroll is a great defensive coordinator. I've talked to Dennis Brown about this many, many times. Pete was Dennis's defensive coordinator with the 49ers, and you had uh, a lot of zero blitzes, no safety in the middle of the field against Miami. Todd Bowles uh, took turns between kind of running some fire blitzes where you didn't know who was coming. That was uh, The fire blitz was the one that led to the Brock Purdy interception that got called back because Carlton Davis was holding, but he has actually thrown two of those interceptions in two weeks, and both of those got called back to defensive holding. If those change, do the games change? Well, not last week. It was 35-7. to But Pete Carroll, suffice to say, Pete Carroll's going to have a lot of different things for Brock Purdy, and it's his first start on the road. So that's going to change things a little bit. And one of the things I want to discuss as well, so anyway, 8-16 and 16 in Seattle, 1-8 in, in the last nine. So it's not going to be easy to win in Seattle, even though we sit here and we say, well, pff, Seattle's not very good. Uh, one thing I want to show you here is if I have, oh, this one. All right, so look, I'm a believer in Brock Purdy. I'm going to throw something up on the screen on the YouTube channel that you, you want to see here in a minute. And again, if you are listening on the podcast, thanks for listening on the podcast. Appreciate it. Please subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, and the such. And you're listening to Unleashed, Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. And you can hear my radio show 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays. And it's only here on the Locked On Podcast Network that you can check out the YouTube channel and the podcast. But uh, so I, I'm a believer in, in Brock Purdy. Everybody told me in training camp how good he looked. Everybody said that if it got down to a third quarterback, which we didn't think it would, that he could capably lead this offense. But the question is, how good is Brock Purdy? Well, we're, not, we're going to know a little bit more after the Seattle game. We're going to know more at the end of the season because I think that they can uh, go undefeated the rest of the way. But in regards to who he is, let me throw this at you in, in regards to Brock Purdy. So the graphic that I'm showing here on the uh, screen, Brock Purdy in his first, what, one and three quarters games, 45 to 67, 461, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Nick Mullins has remarkably similar numbers. 43 of 61, 512, 4 and 2. Very similar to Purdy. Bailey Zappi, who you can see there uh, for the Patriots when he was filling in for Mac Jones, 41 of 55, 497, 3 and 1. So again, similar numbers to Brock Purdy, and I don't think he's setting the world on fire. Uh, Mac Jones, his first two, 51 of 69, 467, 1 and zip. And then the reason I put Kirk Cousins on there as well is it's there's a little bit of a comp here. And his, his first two games starts. 55, 82, 7, 10, 5, and 3. So I, I, 
he's not really from a statistical standpoint wasn't the uh, isn't really a comp. But the reason I put Purdy, Mullen, Zappi, those three really are the comps, is that everybody went crazy for Nick Mullins as well, and everybody in New England when Zappi filled in for Mac Jones went crazy for him as well, and they have similar numbers both Mullins and Zappi in their first two starts to what Brock Purdy had in his first two starts. So what is and who is Brock Purdy? And I would say, I don't know, maybe he is Nick Mullins because remember on that Thursday night against the Raiders how he absolutely shredded them in the last battle of the Bay? I covered that game. I was on the sidelines for Summit, and everybody's yelling for Mullins. The next week on our radio show with Papa Lund on KBR 680, the sports leader, everybody's saying that he should start ahead of Jimmy when Jimmy comes back from the injuries. And, you know, everybody, everybody loved BDN, right? Everybody loved Nick Mullins, and he was going to be the next big thing. And then it started to get exposed after defensive coordinators started to look more and more at the film because that's what happens in professional sports. You're a hitter. We're going to adjust you. Can you continue to adjust back? Ooh, you got a hole in your swing. That high fastball inside. We got you. You can't. You haven't adjusted to it. So we pound you with it, and we strike you out. God, we thought you were good. The same thing happens in basketball. Okay, we're going to take that favorite move away. What else you got? You got this move and that move and this move and that move, and that's that's why Steph Curry is so great because he's continually upping his game. He doesn't have a weak spot, and if he does, he works on it so hard that it's not weak anymore. So I, I like the maturity level. We started we played Brock Purdy when we came into the show today. I love his maturity level. I love the way he talks and walks. Cock of the walk, baby. I love all those things about Brock Purdy, but we have about one and three quarters tape on him. Miami's defensive coordinator threw a bunch of zero blitzes at him. Uh, Todd Bowles threw a, a, a bunch of different looks at him. Sometimes, you know, different guys that he was going to bring. Sometimes he dropped. Sometimes he blitzed a lot of different looks. Pete Carroll's going to throw a lot of different looks, and it's loud as hell in Seattle. So how does he handle that? Oh, and by the way, his oblique isn't feeling great, and anybody who's had a rib injury knows that that's not easy to deal with as well. Maybe he's going to get injured from so many times that he has to hand the football off because if I'm the 49ers, that's what I'm doing. I'm running McCaffrey a ton. I think he's going to break one. I think McCaffrey's going to have over 150 yards rushing, and I think it's going to go back to the old Kyle way of three yards and a cloud of dust, and then one breaks. They're going to run the ball 40 times for 200 and something yards. That's what they're going to want to do. Whether they can or not, I don't know. But the defense needs to step up. Got to stop the run of Kenneth Walker the third, and they got to turn around and run the ball a ton at Seattle and try to make it so that Brock Purdy doesn't have to make a ton of plays in Seattle to win the game. But it's interesting. The question will remain, and I know we'll get into it in 2023. What is he? Who is he? And if he finishes the season, which he very well could, winning at Seattle, home against Washington, against the Raiders on New Year's Day, and then coming home against a depleted Arizona team that just lost Kyler Murray to a knee injury, they go 4-0 the rest of the way. 13 and 4 on the season and I'm not jumping ahead and I want to continue to talk about Seattle but they're if they're 13 and 4 at the end of the season and let's say they jump Minnesota and all of a sudden they're the 2 seed and you're voting for uh for coach of the year Nick Sirianni's had a great year with Philly there's no question maybe he wins it probably he wins it but Kyle Shanahan if he could get the 2 seed or even the 3 seed and he's 13 and 4 and he went down to his third quarterback and had all the injuries the 49ers had it's almost like he's assumed to be a great great coach, but he should get coach of the year. I mean, that's going down to your third quarterback. How many teams could do that with what kind of injuries the 49ers have dealt with week after week after week after week? And, it, and the other guy you need to give credit to, whether it's John Lynch, Adam Peters, whomever in the front office, 
And if we don't mention your name, everybody in the front office, J.P. Mason, they're down to J.P. Mason. You know, because Christian McCaffrey is going to play out of the slot. McCaffrey's going to run it a lot, but J.P. Mason is legit. And Brock Purdy is legit. And to keep Jimmy Garoppolo on this roster is and, is, and what he did as long as he did. And guys like Jawan Jennings, who was a late-round guy. You know, all these different, you know, this offensive line at the beginning of the season, wait a minute, you're going with these two guards in this center? And by and large, I mean, the Miami game, they didn't protect very well, but they played much better last week. By and large, the offensive line's been good. And if they can hold up against Seattle again, and I think they should be able to because Seattle has struggled against the run, the offensive line will lead the way to this victory as well. So there you go. That is your preview. I'm wondering if I missed anything. I'm trying to look at everything that I have that I had there to show you uh, fancy stuff. So give me your thoughts. At John Lund Radio, hit me up. Your questions, comments about the Seahawks and the 49ers. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, simply put it in the comments under this video, Seahawks 49ers comments, and let me know. And if you hit me up, by the way, on Twitter, just use the hashtag Unleashed, and then I'll use it on podcasts. You know, if we got a podcast, we're talking Seahawks 49ers, and it's a good thought then I'll do that as well, and I will I will definitely get back to you on the comments page. I'll even flash some of the comments on here and uh, read your name and so forth if uh, you give me a good one as well. That is your preview of Seahawks and 49ers. Remember to tune in to KNBR, the sports leader, KNBR 680, with Greg Papa and I. Greg will be from Seattle, from KGR in Seattle tomorrow. So we'll do the show 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then we'll have pregame at 2 o'clock. Adam Copeland will jump in with us as Dennis Brown as well. And then the game, I'll have halftime for you. And then I'll do the post game with the boys as well. And we'll have everything for you all day long on KMBR. So rip off the knife. Subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Subscribe on the YouTube channel, Unleashed Various Sports Talk with me, John Lund. It is Unleashed for Thursday, December 15th. Seahawks 49ers preview with me, John Lund. Only on the Lockdown Podcast Network.